school or that's is part of my story but um, whenever I tell people my story it always involves that um, I lived in a nursing home and nobody can ever believe that and then we say what um, it, my story actually begins with my precious grandmother she was the sweetest most generous most godly woman I have ever known in my entire life and she was known for her generosity her hospitality and she was an incredible Bible teacher her ladies Bible classes were just packed every week and uh, I can remember watching her study for the class um, <clears throat> she had Alzheimer's we have it very strong in our family my grandmother had it three of the four boys had it including my dad um, but um, so we went to see her she was in the nursing home and she didn't have any clothes on and she had always you know been so dignified and everything and it was just devastating and I was in high school and I ran out I was like I can't see this and my mom coaxed me went out and got me and coaxed me to come back in and you know we dressed her and got her you know back and calmed her down a little bit <clears throat> but I decided right then and there I wanted to be a nursing home administrator because I thought if I can do this for my grandmother I can do this for anybody um, people do say though that I'm very clinical about the the subject because of what I saw for so long but you know when you see it day in and day out you know you you kind of you kind of you're not cynical but you just know the realities of it and that um, and that it could be a whole lot worse a lot of times um, as I look around I know a lot of people that um, uh, Sharon's uh, grandma grandfather uh, actually lived at Lakeshore when I was there and um, uh, a lot of you have cared for your parents and um, so you're you're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about and then Magda works in the in the industry now so <clears throat> Anyway, um, when uh, so I, I majored in social work, minored in business, and went in and interviewed, and they offered me the job of a social worker and the activities director, and they said, but we can only pay you $10,000. The rest will be an apartment. And I was 22 years old. I needed a place to live. I needed a job. And I said, sure. And um, I had, I mean, and I actually thought that I was going to be in a room next to a resident. I had no idea, but it was this really great apartment that was big and it had two bedrooms, two baths. And all I did was just go upstairs and, you know, I went upstairs for lunch. And it was an incredible financial situation for us because we were not married then, but then a year later we were married and, and I thought they would make me move, but they didn't. And so we lived there for, um, four years and uh, so it basically set us financially because we had absolutely no expenses I did my laundry there um, I did uh, I ate when I was single I ate my huge meal at lunch you know because back then the food was really good <laughs> and it was chicken and dumplings and you know <laughs> didn't have all the regulations but um, but it was chicken and dumplings and I've never had chicken and dumplings and oh, that was our favorite day but um, so my only expense was my telephone bill that was it and I saved on gas because I wasn't going in you know I wasn't driving so it was it was pretty amazing for us and even though I only made ten thousand um, dollars <laughs> with a college degree that's sad um, but um, it did help us a lot um, so I do not um, come to you today as an expert 
but I've helped probably hundreds of families through navigate through this. I stand before you today not as someone who has ever lost a spouse, not as someone who's ever had to give up driving, I've never had to um, give up my home, but as a past social worker, activity director, admissions director, nursing home administrator, daughter of an Alzheimer's patient, and your friend, sorry, it's been a year, last Sunday. Um, but I feel really passionate about encouraging you to be a good old person and to um, older, you know, whatever, I don't know what, what the terms are now. Just say it, I'll just say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Joey said something the other day about being middle-aged. I said, you, I'm sorry, honey, you are not middle-aged. I said, you're not gonna live to be 120. <laughs> I said, you're long past middle-aged. But um, just, and I, I have said this has just kind of become a passion with me, and people go, oh, Barry, we're all going to be just like our parents, and we're all going to do it. And I said, no, we're not. We're going to keep each other accountable, and we're going to say, don't treat your daughter like that. Don't treat your son like that. Don't, don't become this person that you say you do not want to become. Do you care if I tell that story about your mom? You tell everything. Okay. Well, um, Joey's mom... Uh, they were at his grandmother's house, and she was telling her bathroom issues. Grandmother. grandmother was. And they got in the car, and Joey's mom said, if I ever get to the age, do that, and start telling people those personal things, stop me. He said, okay. So years went along. She did it. And Joey goes, Mom, do you remember when you told me to tell you not to do that? And she said, you just don't understand. And... <laughs> She was widowed pretty young at 61, so and yeah. she lived by herself until late in life. And so um, she didn't have anybody to talk these things with. And that's what she said. She said, well, I don't have anybody to talk to about this. And I'm like, I don't talk to Barry about my problems in that area. <laughs> but she, it, it, so it just went right. <laughs> um, but I want you to know, those of you who have children or if you've designated somebody who's going to help you with these decisions, that your children and these people are not out to get you. They are not out to steal your money. They are not out to, to take things away from you and make decisions that go against what you want to do. It may appear that way, <laughs> but it is all so much about safety and caring for you. Um, probably the strongest story I ever had was this lady did not want to move into the independent section and I got like a stat call up. She had been in, she was, her daughter was moving her in and I got up there and she had a literal broom and was hitting her daughter with the broom. But as soon as she saw me, <laughs> she starts sweeping and her poor daughter was just cowering in the corner and she said I am not staying here I did not want to move here but she was very she was having confusion problems she was leaving the the oven on you know the stove and all that kind of stuff and so we were able to just every day say when she would say I'm going home we would just say okay okay you can go home tomorrow and you know, we, and she ended up staying the whole time, but that was a real eye-opener for me as to how 
her daughter wanted safety and was caring for her, but the impression to her daughter was, you are taking me away from my home, which she had to. It was just so difficult to do. Um, this book, unfortunately, we have loaned it out, and we do not know who we loaned it to. So Joey um, printed this off for me, and I'm, I think a lot of you have probably read it. It's called Becoming Mortal. And it is all about aging and illnesses. And it talks about, and I can just pass that around and y'all can take a picture or something. But it is a book, and, and the premise is that children want their parents to be safe and parents want to stay home. And they will go all costs to do that. Um, Joey um, is on the board at the Blakeford, and he went to a, um, a retreat this week. And he found out that only 7% of people actually go to a, a nursing home, long-term care. You think, oh, we're all, that's where we're all headed. No, there's lots of other options, but um, only 7%. Um, so, you know, that, uh, the nice thing is, is maybe, you know, partnering with your daughter or your son or whoever your person, designated person is to help you with these kind of decisions so that um, you are making them together and keeping you safe, possibly keeping you home, but possibly keeping you in another home that could become, a place that could become a home. Joey's mom um, fell and cut herself really badly and the doctor told her she needed to go somewhere and she was of the age that whatever a doctor told her she would do, so she very willingly went to Mary Queen of Angels. And Joey would call her and try and talk to her, and she'd say, um, I gotta go, gotta go to Geography B. I gotta go, gotta go to Bingo, I gotta go. And she would sit at the table and introduce you to everybody and talk with different people every, every meal. And you know, women supposedly have 10,000 words a day. <laughs> and so, you know, she was living alone, so, she would, no, not her. Oh. I, mean, not you, yeah. her. She was, I don't know. So, you know, that was just so. So, as she lived um, four and a half years there, and they, you know, at the time, they, nobody thought she would live that long. A lot of people used to come to me at Lakeshore and say, well, they, they only have this amount of money, but it won't matter because it'll, it'll last because. They won't, they won't last that long. Well, they would get there and somebody would be giving them their medicines correctly. They would be um, getting three nice, nutritious meals and they would have socialization and they would live and live and live and thrive. And it was wonderful. So, um, do not look at your children as the enemy. Um, okay, I told you about that. That book is by Atal Gawande, I think is his name. Um, there are lots of options. You know, Magda works for a home health company. There's home health, there's sitter services, there's memory care, there's assisted living places, there's independent living. There's so many um, places out there and, and opportunities and options. It's not all, oh, I you know, just don't think, oh, I'm going and I got to get in a bed and I'm never going to get out of the bed. It's, it, there's just so much more out there and it's quite the um, booming industry I guess you would say because people are living so long um, uh, do not let the changes steal your joy you know what what um, I thought it was perfect what Patrick was talking about today because I thought that's true we can go well 
I've been there, done that. You know, I have served and served and served. You know, I, I, you know, let's just let the young people do it. And there are so many beautiful ways. I mean, the ladies' Bible class is a is the, so inspiring and so wonderful. Um, to have the, the comments that are made and the teaching that we have. And it's just so encouraging to be there. And, and, and I would almost, I've told a lot of people this, I think the most liberal people in our church are the maybe the ladies at the ladies' Bible class. Uh, because, I mean, they're just so open-minded. And, I, and I'll, I tell people that all the time. I say, because a lot of times what y'all will say, you've been there, done that. And you're kind of like, you know, what you said to me the other day just was really inspiring. And I think, I just think that y'all know that we are not of this world and a lot of the things that we get ourselves upset and about. And that's a huge example to, to all of us. Um, but I don't want to steal your joy. Now, this is the huge issue with a lot of people is giving up driving. And, I mean, I don't know what I would do if I had to give up driving because, um, you know, yes, you could Uber, but if you Uber, you have to know how to use your phone. You know, you have to be able tech technologically to, you know, put it in, and you have to be able to see well, put in the address, you know, all that. So that's, sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't, but giving that up is usually the biggest ordeal. And a lot of people will say, oh, you just need take keys away or you just need to, I mean, I've heard people say, oh, I just took my mom's keys away and I just told her she couldn't drive anymore. And um, good luck with that. <laughs> One thing about that, so this book, you know, it's like the risk that someone that wants to kind of stay at home assumes children want them to be safe and they don't see the benefit of being at home versus this. So, you know, the thing about driving, and I'm going to tell another story about my mom, is she started having these episodes and she had two or three fender benders and she couldn't really explain what happened. And then one day after church, she's driving home and she falls asleep and she goes, veers over and hits a mailbox. And she stops and leaves a note on the mailbox and the person, whoever's home it was, never contacted her. So we're at lunch with her and she's telling us about it. And I, one of my sisters was at church with her so she knew all the fender benders. I didn't know all the details. But she said, well, I hit a mailbox a couple of weeks ago, but it's okay because it didn't hurt my car, and the person whose mailbox I hit had to call me, and I said, well, Mom, what do you think would have happened if you'd gone to sleep and gone the other direction and hit a minivan full of kids? And she literally opened her purse up, got her keys out, and passed them across the table to me. She said, you're absolutely right. Which is a huge blessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, same, the same with when she moved. She didn't. Yeah, she, didn't, she was the same way. She was ready. Um, your children love you so much. They respect you so much. They care about you. Proverbs seventeen six says, children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Uh, same situation happened with my dad. He was over in this parking lot over here. He bumped up on a curb. It scared him. He came straight to our house and said, he said, that could have been a child, and he handed the keys. It, it really scared him. Um, I have a, a, a dear friend whose father was, uh, had been diagnosed with dementia and wouldn't give anything up, basically, and he would not give up driving, and he drove over to his son's house, and he hit the, the um, gas instead of the brake, and he drove into their house, hit a gas line, mm -hmm. and the gas line, you know, came up, and, and he, he was 
succumbed by the fumes and he died. And uh, huge damage, of course, to his son's house. And then also the daughter-in-law and um, another family member were inside and had he blown the house up, they would, you know, would have been that. So it was um, very sad and in uh, such a tragic way for them to all, you know, and, and there was anger and, you know, all that at the end. So that you, you certainly don't want anything like that. If anybody has any trouble getting their children to do what they want to, give up and sort of come up send them over to my house. <laughs> Deanna's good at that. Yeah, Deanna could teach that. that. <laughs> but one thing you have to think about, it's the desire to drive and thinking, I don't want to bother anybody is one thing. But if you have any confusion, if you have trouble with eyesight, trouble with hearing, um, you know, those kind of things, that sort of dictates it, and your doctor will dictate that, and they can even give you a test. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever taken it or been with somebody that, take, that took it, but it's the mini mental test. And in that, you will, you will draw the picture of a clock, and you get a point for the circle, you get a point for all the numbers, you get a point for the, for the arms, <laughs> and, 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 um, and then there's a one to A, B to two, you know, and, and how fast you do those, um, and if you hesitate, you know, that means when you're in the car, you might not be able to react quickly. So that's one of those tests, you know, that the rest of it is a lot harder than that, I think, because it's the memory. Yeah, it's the three words is the hardest part of that test. <laughs> slow enough. <laughs> um, but listen to your doctor. You know, your doctor, that's what they're there for. Um, so, um, and, and, and don't think that your children are like in cahoots with the doctor and that they've called them ahead of time. I mean, these people are professionals. They're doctors for a reason, and um, they know what, what to look for. Uh, and somebody told me the other day that if a doctor, I, don't, I would have to confirm this, but if a doctor puts it in your file that you should not drive and you drive anyway and have a wreck and someone found out about that, they could sue you. So all that wonderful money that you think you are going to leave to your children or to your nieces and nephews, I mean, it might all go away because of your stubbornness. Um, when my dad was alive, uh, he had Alzheimer's for 10 years, um, and um, I'm sorry, and that's when I was thinking about people always thought I was so clinical about it, but I had seen so many people and was still working at the time and saw this one lady that I thought, how, she was in the fetal position uh, for probably, I mean, you could, like for six years in a bed. I've got a friend right now whose mom is in a live hospice. She was on a feeding tube for 
um, that, that Dr. McCray will talk to you about that. Uh, for six years, they finally decided to take it off, take her off. She's on day 54 with nothing. And she had a traumatic brain. Yeah, she had a traumatic, she fell. And, but um, there are things worse, <laughs> you know, and, and my dad was so physically in good shape that I thought he's going to be one of those people who, you know, his brain's going to make him not be able to function or my mom be able to continue caring for him, but he could live a really long time. But I'll tell you this wonderful story about my dad. He, he was old school, charismatic a long time ago before anybody did that. And um, he, my mom woke up the Sunday night before he died, hands raised, he is and at the end of the bed, and he is singing. He was a worship leader. He is asking the congregation to join him. He is praying. And I kid my mom because she said, Richard, get back in the bed. It's 3 in the morning. And I said, Mom, he was going. <laughs> and, um, and the next morning, she found him in the floor. And she had taken him to the bathroom. She didn't, she didn't ever hear him fall. He was ready. And that afternoon, he'd been in the hospital all day. They could find nothing wrong with him, no broken bones. And he said to my brother, I want to go home. Mm -hmm. And he did the next Saturday. And um, uh, so it was a beautiful thing. It was beautiful because, like I said, I knew what could happen to him, what, what we could face. Uh, my mom had was bathing him, toileting him, feeding him, dressing him. Uh, taking him to church, taking him on errands, doing every single thing for him with very little help. Not that she was not offered, very little help. So many people think it's my responsibility, it's my job, it's my, this is my spouse, of course I'm going to care for them. And John McCaslin would come up to me every single week and go, has your mom gotten any help yet? And I'd say no. And um, he, she just wore her little self out. She physically wore herself out. And many times when I was at Lakeshore, people would come from the funeral of the caregiver and say to me, can you please take my mom? We had no idea what all my dad was doing for her. And we can't, we can't take care of her 24-7 like this. And so a lot of times, I mean, I was really fearful that that's what was going to happen and that my mom was going to pass before my dad because she was wearing herself out. And it has kind of taken a toll on her since he's um, been gone because her body's just still so worn out from it. And um, so asking for rest, asking for respite is okay. Uh, there are some of the home health people, you don't have to run errands and be gone the whole time a home health person is staying at your house. Sometimes people go and take a nap while the caregiver is caring for, for their spouse. So um, don't be against that. If you have long-term care insurance and it will pay for that, take advantage of that. Um, that's what it's for. Um, it, sure. That particular policy that they had, it had a deductible, but it was occurrences, not dollars. And so the home health was two-hour minimum. And it was like fifty dollars for two hours, so sixty. Right? Had to have sixty. So it do the math. Sixty occurrences at fifty dollars occurrences. You spend three three thousand dollars and you're in the money on the coverage. And she would not. She, she was so worried about fifty dollars 
And so, you know, it never, he was never uh, left their house, but it's not that you have to spend $10,000 per closet before you get into the coverage. So just kind of keep that in mind. If, if yeah. That has to be if you have a deductible way. like that. Yeah. yeah. I have a friend whose parents were in their 90s in a nursing home, in a assisted living, and they both had life long term care insurance and she'd never used it because she might need it later. Activate that today. Yes. Because the money you're spending right now, if it runs out, you can spend it then if there's mm -hmm. still around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Save your money, use what they pay for. Yes, yes. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I thought about that. So. Also remember that if you have help, you know, you can actually the daughter or the son or the spouse. You know, and just enjoy that role, and there's somebody else, you know, helping with the other. That's a that's a great mm -hmm. that's a great point. Um, when I, I talked to Paulette about speaking, since then the Queen has passed. Well, the Queen was everything everybody dreams about. She was in her 90s. She was clear-minded. She had worked what two days before. Um, she didn't have any long-term illness. And she was surrounded by our family. She passed quietly with no big, you know, issues. And that's what everybody wants, but that is very rare that that happens. The autopsy report that was that she died of old age. <laughs> well, not any disease. Not any disease. Not any disease. Yeah. She has great health care. Yes, <laughs> she did. <laughs> yes, great health care. Probably so. Probably so. Um, but, when, when I was at Lakeshore, we had an independent section, we had a um, memory unit, and we had nursing beds, nursing home beds. And um, every day, um, I would make announcements at lunch, and we'd say the prayer, and I would always tell them if someone passed. And, and they, we probably had, with all, the whole entire place, well, it was more when there was a full moon, and it was more in the winter, but, um, you know, maybe five, I know, Maybe five people would die about a month. And um, so I would, I would announce it when someone had passed. And if they passed in their sleep in the independent section, they would clap. And then they would. <laughs> I mean, it was like, yay, hurrah. That's exactly what we all want. And so when that happened with the queen, I was like, yes, that's what I experienced. Um, to me, whatever your future holds, savor your memories, ask your kids and grandchildren questions about their lives, tell stories about your youth, share your faith with them, tell them how much you pray for them. Pick a day, pick a grandchild, uh, you know, say, this is what I'm praying for you today, or what do you need me to pray for you today? Um, you know, uh, don't let your aches, pains, like that poor woman, um, and your circumstances take away from the rich history that you have in experiencing God. Because y'all are amazing examples. When he was talking about the mentors, you know, we have a whole mentoring program in the um, ladies' ministry, and it is a huge blessing to so many people. Um, but don't let the, con don't have this conflict. I have a friend right now who's going through counseling because the last few months of her mom's life were so difficult and so they had so much conflict and her mom said things that she said, I, I can't unhear those things. They were, you know, you're doing this to me, you know, just cruel things and not, you know, and she's trying to remember the mom that she was. 
And um, I remember Mary said that to me because Sharon and Mary's mom and dad had Alzheimer's, right? They actually both were diagnosed. And Mary said, there will come a day, Barry, when you will remember your dad like he was. Not those last three years when it was so bad. And I have gotten to that point. Um, I, I'll say again, partner with your kids about what you want and need. You know, instead of like stewing, you know, say, well, you know, this makes me uncomfortable or I, I don't like that or I want, okay, I will compromise with you and I will have home health come in twice a week, but I want a woman or I want a man. You know, what is it that you want? And, and maybe that will kind of smooth out some of those edges. Um, it is not an, a weakness to need help. And um, uh, every friend group that I am in, uh, including our life group, a hot, the main topic is everybody's caring for their parents. And these kind of situations are going on. Everybody's telling stories. Um, the, also, siblings comes into it. Um, and it's frustrating and confusing on both sides, on your side and on the children's side um, because the roles are reversed. You know, and people used to say to me, well, I have to take care of my mom because she took care of me. Well, not to be uh, blunt here, but changing a diaper of an infant and changing a diaper of a grown-up are two very different things, the very physically and emotionally. Um, you know, turning some, you know, and, and having a babysitter, um, you know, you can, you know, going out and having a social life with your, when you have young children, you can get a babysitter, but it's not always as easy, you know, so you might need a professional sitter. So there's a lot of things that, that people kind of get in their heads and, and it gets very confusing when the roles are reversed. Um, siblings don't always agree. You know, I have the most perfect brothers in the world. Just ask my mom. Um, <laughs> you know, the, boy, the boys are always, you know. And, and that's a lot of times for you women that are having to do things. Um, the daughter is usually the one that has to make the hard decisions. The daughter, a lot of times people would, the son would swoop in at the nursing home and tell me, you need to do this and all this, you know, and then the dog, I'd, I'd think, oh, wow, that's nothing like what your, what your sister wants. And I'd call the sister and she'd say, oh, don't worry about it. He'll be, he'll be back in wherever he's from and we can go back to the old way. <laughs> um, birth, birth order plays into it with, with children and, and how it all goes. Um, I just want to encourage you today to be the best that you can be. Plan on it, keep each other accountable, um, you know, really encourage each other to, you know, if somebody says, you can't believe what my daughter, blah, blah, you know, say to each other, now remember, we need to really, you know, be kind and we, we really need to know that that was she, you know, and ask each other, is she really against you or is she trying to keep you safe? And, um, and that's where you go into that talking it out of safety versus, you know, what, maybe they want, you know, or, you know, just at all costs staying home or at all costs driving or at all costs whatever it is you want to do. Um, I have some scriptures for y'all. Sure. So our kids were assigned this project when they were in middle school or high school about going to the interview with grandparents. And so Meredith went, and Meredith and my mom were, were tight, and so Meredith went and talked to her, and she comes back and she goes, Dad, did you 
did you know that, that Granddad, who she never met, my father, that he had a fling with somebody in Florida when he was in the Army? But they weren't married. They weren't married. <laughs> they were, they were, and they were exclusive, and he, they, they were, he was so worried about getting shot up in World War II that they said, I'm not going to get married until you get home, so I don't want to make you a widow. And so I never heard that. And so... Um, and I never had the nerve to ask her about it. <laughs> but, but I read about something yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, and it's this web-based uh, service where you can, it will send you a question like once a week or once a, whatever frequency you want, and it's for your family. And so you get this question, and you type in your right. answer. Right. And after a year, you get a hardbound book right. of all your memories. And I'm thinking, you know... I've seen our kids get a little more interested in our, yeah. you know, in our upbringing as they've gotten older. And, and uh, I was, uh, you know, when you're when you're young enough to remember it, you're not you're not curious enough to ask the questions of your parents. You know, what was it like? Now, my dad, um, he was a little different. He didn't talk much. Period, except about I think World War II was probably the happiest time of his life because he was part of a family military family to him, but he was not a combatant. But anyway, sorry, but I just wanted to, That's I, good. I, I think one of the things you can, you can sort of bring your life alive to your children and your grandchildren is, is to share memories with them that are significant. Yeah. Um, Probably all of us wish we would have asked those questions. Yes, I tried at the end to, and I mean, I would even like try to spur him with some other facts that I knew, and he, by that point, he couldn't even remember yeah. any of it. But he, he would get, like, that, but a month before I, he died, we took, I took him on a ride, and he, I just, I asked him questions while we were driving around, and he was just, mumbling, salad, you know, nothing makes sense, and so we get back to their house, and I said, Dad, did you have fun? And he said, well, I haven't had that much fun in a long time, <laughs> and that, he hadn't spoken a sentence in a year at that point, so. You never know. Um, oh, sorry, Steve. I was just going to say, uh, for Christmas, uh, one of our daughters bought that mm -hmm. story thing, and so every week we're getting, I'm not answering them every week. <laughs> yeah. But there's, you know, we're writing those stories, and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of fun because there's a lot of questions that triggered my yeah. memory yeah. about something, and it's just a good way to do it, and that way you're leaving for your yeah. It's a lot more permanent than Facebook and photos yeah. on your phone. Yeah. Yes, you know. yes. Well, there's a program, though, that you can get where my daughter bought this program, and it sent me a question. If she, you know, whatever question she wanted to ask, I got it. Oh, uh, what Deanna wanted to know? Mm -hmm. uh, don't, that was my middle daughter, oh. Susan. But uh, anyway, they will, at the end, whenever you decide to stop or whatever, they will make it into a program like drawing. Yeah. And that is easy to do. That's wonderful. I just get this question and, you know, I try not to make it too long. <laughs> My answer. Sounds great. It turns out that our lives are a lot more interesting to other people than we might think they mm -hmm. were. And everybody has a story. You think, oh, I don't have a story. But, I mean, I even said to Joey, I said, wow, they've heard from Cal Turner, and they've heard from Brad about the Appalachian <coughs> Trail. I said, my story's kind of boring, but 
um, you know, saying, starting out with, I lived in a nursing home. <laughs> but, um, but everybody has a story. And, and most kids can't imagine their parents ever having any kind of a life before they met each other. You know, and mm -hmm. and yeah. That, and that makes you human too, yes. rather than just a parent. Yes, yes. Um, two years ago, I had breast cancer, and I chose some scriptures to read over myself. Um, and this was one of them, and I still love it. And it, um, it is. I am still confident of the, uh, Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen, and fourteen. I'm still confident of this. I will see the. The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. In the land of the living, you are living. So don't be so, like, worried and concerned about what may happen. Just live for the moment and enjoy the people around you. Um, and a lot of these scriptures have the word hope in them. Um, and that's another thing. I mean, we have the hope of heaven, which is so beautiful and wonderful. People used to ask me, uh, one time I was at Vanderbilt, and this was before they had the children's, and I was admitting, helping somebody get admitted to the hospital, and there were children all over the waiting room that were being admitted, and I was just getting more and more depressed because they all were severely sick. And I went into the admissions girl, and I said, wow, how do you do what you do? And she goes, how do you do what you do? And I said, are you kidding? These people have lived wonderful, full lives. They think anything I have on is pretty. They think I'm awesome because I'm energetic. I mean, you know, they're always encouraging me, and um, they have great stories to tell, and they have the hope of heaven. I mean, I've hardly ever met anybody in one of um, the places that I've worked where they weren't just, you know, happy to be ready for heaven. Um, uh, Psalm 31, 24, Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Uh, Psalm 33, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Uh, Psalm 55:22. cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. So know that he's going to sustain you. Um, and this is one, you know, when, when kids are in high school, they're always talking about, here's this scripture and put it up on your mirror. This would be a good one for anybody over 60 to put on their mirror. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. That's as long as you live, not as long as I get to stay in my house, as long as I can drive, as long as, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's as long as I live. Uh, <clears throat> Psalm seventy-three, twenty-six. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I think that one kind of speaks for itself. Um, Psalm one, sixteen, two. Because He has turned His ear to me, I will call on Him as long as I live. Same. Um, and then Psalm one, twenty-one, seven and eight. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh.